Today's reading is from Acts 2, verses 14 to 41, and you'll find it on page 1093 in the Church Bibles. Peter addresses the crowd. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders of the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and knowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit that you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God had made this Jesus, of whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the word of the Lord. Exhibit A. I am one of those. As the Anglican says, what, you'll hope? <laughs> you should know. <laughs> A boy, one of the boys and girls in blue who run the Anglican. So today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Julia and I, um, we got a PowerPoint on the way. Um, we'll get there. Julia and I had to leave a church that we were pretty happy in because the minister was selectively biblical. And it got worse to the point that he refused to allow preaching on passages such as this one this morning. This was an Anglican church. banned songs which over-mention the Holy Spirit. And I found out in conversation with him, he intentionally avoided silence in services and was very uncomfortable with the laying on of hands for any reason, even though it had happened to him to be ordained, presumably. And we have an issue. I, I speak in many churches. Um, I go to one and they say, oh, you're preaching the doctrine of another denomination. I say, no, it's biblical. Get over it. And then I go to the other denomination and preach something which is emphasized in the other one. And they say, this is not, I say, it's biblical. Deal with it. And I'm with Uncle John Stott. Let's avoid being selectively biblical. Now, Andrew Murray, um, somebody that I love to read at the turn of the last century, he lived. He said, church practices which may have been accepted for generations take on a life of their own. They start to hold more authority than the Bible itself. He asks a question, have we marginalized the Holy Spirit, replacing him with natural aptitudes 
and formal training which creates a ministry caste and moves the church away from its New Testament heritage. I don't know if anybody remembers, um, if you're old enough, David Watson. We're going back to St. Michael the Belfry. <laughs> You'll break your arm, Pat, if you do that too much. Um, St. Michael the Belfry, uh, York. Um, in his book, Back to Pentecost, the promise, uh, sorry, that's not him. Who are we here? No, that was uh, Andrew Murray. Um, David Watson said, if the Holy Spirit withdrew completely from many churches, no one would notice and it would be business as usual. The Holy Spirit is being made surplus to requirements. And uh, I, I love that, it's a cool picture. Um, it's the upper room, by the way. The church father, Tertullian, said any custom without truth to it is merely an error that has grown old and become respectable. So this morning, I want us to join with the bystanders of Pentecost and ask a question. What does this mean? And something had gone on that morning, and the equivalent here would be that we would burst out into the courtyard, um, and all the curtains would be twitching across the road, and people would be coming down and saying, what on earth has got into that lot over there at the church? They were amazed and perplexed, and they asked one another, what does this mean? And the apostle Peter uh, answers that question. And the answer, I can think of uh, A, B, C, D, E, four. Number one, there is more to the gospel than meets the eye. This isn't another gospel. It's a complete gospel. It's a full gospel. It's the whole gospel. That Jesus is not only Savior, verses 23 to 32, Savior from sin, he's also the baptizer, his word, John the Baptist's word of him, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, verses 38 to 39. Are you going to be selectively biblical or biblical? And the second thing, what does this mean? So that's number one. The second thing, what it means, the Holy Spirit can disrupt our church programs if he chooses to. He happens to be God. And I'm just so aware, and again, I've preached in hundreds of churches in all denominations. Julia and I are although my deepest influences have been Anglican and then Pentecostal, our experience across our life together has been C of E, Penti, Bapti, Co, Mepha, Congri, Freethquake, as Ishmael created his song. In other words, 
We belong to the Church of Jesus Christ, and we want to take the Bible seriously. And we see through denominational garbage, baggage, tradition, that is the reason why Pentecost is not happening more often as the Lord would like. And uh, some churches I go into, they're asking, Lord, send your Holy Spirit again. And actually, they have a very restricted agenda. As long as you remain sanitized and behave yourself and don't disrupt our programs. So his second point is that it gets messy. And it's not a sign of being not right. It's a sign that God is at work. And the messiness, can I, as I read this passage, the believers became bold. Ordinary people became bold, losing their inhibitions to the point that people said they must be drunk. Are, are you with that? And these people are not drunk, says the Apostle Peter. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Here we go. It's uh, seems to not want to change. Okay. Whoa. There we go. Right. Nextly, what does it mean? It means the Holy Spirit can come in various ways. By the way, can I just finish the last one off? Holy Spirit can disrupt. I started out ministry as a youth leader, and um, we had a bit of a revival amongst young people in West Richard of Nottingham, where I was. And... At the height of it, you couldn't stop a youth meeting. You couldn't close it down. We had to shoo them. Go home. Your parents will be worried. And it, the, the thing grew from 10 to 70. It was nearly as big as the adult congregation. And there were so many of them, we had to split them up all over the congregation. Sit with the older ones. Don't just sit on the back row as you do being young people. This is the body of Jesus. Go and sit with the oldest person you can find <laughs> and ask them to be your auntie or grandma in Jesus. Yeah? So things happen. And it gets messy, but it's glorious because the kingdom of God expands and there are people in ministry in different parts as a result of what God did in those days uh, as young people. I believe in young people. Don't get me started. So the next one, the Holy Spirit's baptism has many manifestations. Now, um, John uh, in, uh, is recorded. This is the Baptist, John Baptist in, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, says, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And the manifestations of that are manyfold in the scripture. Joel chapter 2.28, uh, as Muriel read this morning, the prophecy of Joel. 
And he says that when he comes, um, men and women, male and female, will prophesy. There's something for everybody here. Have you noticed? So it's across gender. Old people will have dreams. Younger people will see visions. So it's across uh, generations as well as across gender. And then in Jesus' prophecy about it in Mark 16 and verse 17 and 18, uh, he says that when he comes, they shall drive out demons. They shall speak in tongues. They shall exercise supernatural bravery. Pick up serpents and so on. They will receive supernatural protection. They will drink deadly things and it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. A normal part of any Bible-believing church, I would hope. And Acts chapter 1 verse 8, they will receive power for witness. I remember um, quite a, a, a guy I have huge respect for, Peter Lewis in Nottingham. Uh, I'm from Nottingham. And Peter leads a terrific, or has led a terrific church. He's of the reformed end of the spectrum, Peter. And he tells the story, and I hope he hears this, and I'm telling it right. He tells the story of when he was a young minister in the vestry preparing for a Sunday evening meeting. And he said, as he waited on God, waves of power came out of nowhere and swept over him like he was surfing spiritually. And he was sobbing. He, God filled the place. And when the deacons arrived, as I think they called them then, he said they, they were so nervous to come in, the presence of God was so strong in that room. He doesn't even believe in a Pentecostal kind of baptism of the Spirit. So what? That's, he got it. <laughs> what about a Cambridge scientist, Dr. Peter Foreman? Peter, I hope you're listening. There's two Peters. Pretty good. Okay, Peter, three Peters. Peter the Apostle, Peter Lewis, and now Peter Foreman. Dr. Peter Foreman in Cambridge, the Holy Spirit came on him and he laughed and laughed and laughed. He was a very straight-laced Englishman and he ended up giggling like a schoolboy on his knees on the floor. He's never been the same since. God broke into his life. You say, oh, how miraculous story. Actually, the Holy Spirit's not English, but that's part of the, the thing. And when this is where um, the stole comes in, it's a, it's a reader's stole. I'm, I'm a reader of the Church of England. Um, and um, I used to be a reader in the cathedral in Cairo, All Saints Cathedral. And the boys and girls in blue talked to each other. And we found out that in the cathedral in Singapore, they had a confirmation service. This was in the 80s. They had a confirmation service. And um, while the bishop was laying hands on them to confirm them in the faith, people started talk, speaking in tongues. 
And the bishop, bless him, said, oh dear, we seem to be having a touch of Pentecost. <laughs> and carried on, as he should. And I'll never forget uh, a night in a, a very ultra-conservative church in Yorkshire. Julia was in the meeting, um, you probably remember it, and you were at one corner at the back, and there was another lady from an Elim church on the opposite side. And I was behaving myself impeccably, uh, closed the, the service almost to the dot of when they finished their service. Sorry, Lord. They thought it was great. And just as we closed the service, the Elim lady and Julie at the back and I felt this wave of power sweep through the meeting. They don't even believe in this stuff. And one of the deacon's wives hit the deck, and it's one of those old wooden chapels with floors. One of the uh, deacon's wives hit the deck and started sobbing. And her little boy, I've got, still got my eyes closed, her little boy said, where's my mummy gone? Well, try looking down, she's on the floor. She was healed of three years of postnatal depression as the Spirit of God moved into that church who don't even believe in these things. Hello. I wasn't preaching on it. The Holy Spirit does what he wants, and we need to make the liturgy serve what he wants. There's nothing wrong with liturgy. I tell the Pentes and Charismatics, there is nothing wrong with liturgy, only poor usage of liturgy, which doesn't allow God to get a word in edgewise. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, there are two different issues here. You may be sitting asking the question. Didn't we get the Holy Spirit? Didn't we receive the Holy Spirit when we were converted? Yes. It goes like this. So, the Holy Spirit at conversion and the Holy Spirit as a second experience, a baptism, an infilling, are two separate issues. And uh, the story goes of a boy on a stroll with his granddad on a beach. And he asked his granddad what the difference between the two is. His granddad took an empty bottle of Diet Coke, dipped the bottle in the sea till it was kind of half full, he said, that's what's happening when you are converted. And then he threw the bottle into the sea where it bobbed and bobbed and filled to overflowing and was surrounded in the element of water. And he said, that's what's what happens when you receive a baptism. The Apostle Paul, uh, in conversion, says, He who has not the Spirit of Christ is none of his, Romans 8, verse 9. And of the baptism, Jesus said in John 7, 38, Jesus said of a baptism, Out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This is what our nation needs. This is what this community needs. 
And moving on, the the, the it's like a glorious tag team. The Holy Spirit was released to come when Jesus went. Are you with that? And uh, verse 33, if you've got your Bible open, Peter says, Jesus exalted to the right hand of God. He received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out what you now see and hear. Tag team. And uh, John, in John chapter 7, the same thing about rivers flowing out. He says, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet returned to the Father. And that was it, the tag team. Jesus returned, and then the completion of the gospel was possible as the Holy Spirit came. So, if the first question at Pentecost was, what does this mean? In the bottom line answer is, this means the completion of the gospel package, the coming of the Holy Spirit to indwell us, to enable us, to empower us, to sustain us. But if the first question is, what does it mean? The second question is, what shall we do? So if, the, if, if, if in a sense, the answer to the first, the first question is the Holy Spirit, that's what they were asking about. What on earth is this? The Holy Spirit. The second question, what shall we do, comes back to the Holy Spirit. And in verse 37, uh, Peter, uh, it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? To which then he answers. He's preached the gospel, as I said at the beginning, uh, the early verses, 23 to 32. And now he's showing the full completion of the package of the gospel uh, in 37, 38, 39. So he says in verse 38, repent. Be baptized in water, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, the promise, he's quoting uh, uh, Joel again, the promise, and notice this, because I have spoken with some Christians who say to me, all this died out with the apostles. I'd like that to be demonstrated biblically, because look what the promise is saying, the promise is for you 2,000 years ago and your children, all who are afar off, Gentiles, it's geographic, 
And then, if anyone's been missed out, the promise is for all whom the Lord our God will call. And that has not been rescinded and will not be till the day Jesus comes back, if I may say so. And so this is why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5.19 says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if I went into that, probably Isaac would be the only one that would appreciate what I'm saying, or and the biblical scholars amongst you. The force of the Greek is, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Charles, I use Charles Spurgeon's daily readings, and he says we need to be filled daily because we leak. So please yourself. I know I'm treading on toes this morning, but I'm sorry, the word of God comes first, not church tradition of any flavor. Pentecostal, charismatic, Roman Catholic, Anglican, any flavor, the word of God comes first, and hopefully the right dividing of it. Okay, so we can move on lastly and i got to stop to say the third question what should i do and this is where you and i come in today what should you do and i suggest whoops number 1 repent let's do what the apostle peter says Repent, change our mind about all sorts of things. Number two, be baptized. Number three, actively wait and pursue the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. That's as far as I'm going this morning, so those who are really on tenterhooks, relax, because the, the, the homework this morning is that you develop a craving thirst for more of God and see where he leads you. But I suggest, and with Billy Graham, he says, <laughs> Billy Graham, Southern Baptist, says in his book on the Holy Spirit, says, I don't care how you get there, just get there. And I thought, well, <laughs> sounds a bit like George Burwell. Don't care how you get there, just get there. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you'll know when it's happened. So Luke 24, 49, um, uh, and uh, repeated again, I think, in Acts 1. Wait, said Jesus. Wait in the city of Jerusalem. And I like the way Peter, when he's speaking... He says, what, you know, what shall we do? Repent. Be baptized in water. And you will be filled. You will receive. So do you notice he's instant, instant, and then a process. You may need to wait. They waited 10 days in the upper room. Can I urge you to get alone with God? And say, Lord, I'm spiritually 
bankrupt. I'm on a plateau. It's all theory, and I want the reality of you. Please fill me with your spirit. Wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. I can only stand on the platform of Keswick or Word Alive or Spring Harvest with 2,000 people. This 50% introvert because I've been clothed with power from on high. And I'm with um, Justin Welby. I speak with tongues. That's the manifestation the Lord gave me. But whatever he gives to you, receive it. Lastly, and I'm done. Let's remind ourselves and have this as a closing sort of thing. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice at the end of the um, feast uh, of tabernacles, I think it was, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Holy Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Holy Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now he has been glorified. Get on your knees in your bedroom and say, Lord, do something radical in my life. And so I leap. And as we leak into this community, we will have a problem of church growth. Amen. Thank you, Steve. I'm going to ask the music group to come up, and uh, Judy, if you can begin playing the hymn that we're going to be singing together. Um, Steve has challenged us this morning uh, to come once again to the Lord and ask for him to fill us with his spirit and that's something we all need to do and keep doing and uh, maybe this morning you as we sing this song this morning would like to just express that desire your thirst to God to be filled with his spirit please stand as we sing this song to